Have you really got a hold of that? He's your Father. You're His Son if you are born again. You've been birthed of Him. He's your Father. See, our minds, and, and this, is, this is going to go along with what the Lord is speaking in me, our minds are so bound up with the earth and the natural. And what I hear the Lord saying over and over is, turn your heart to the heavens. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're in the second lesson on heaven today, and we're going to move on into that. And I'm probably going to say some things maybe you've never heard in relation to heaven, but we're going to look at them in the Word of God. We're going to look at the Scripture and share out of the Scripture. And I, uh, I sent a text to a family member this morning, and I said to them something to the effect, do you consider when you think of heaven, do you consider a slain lamb in the midst of the throne when you think of heaven. And the next thing I said, I said, read Revelations 4 and 5. And we're going to get into that this morning. I'm trying not to move ahead of myself. Uh, uh, and a lot of times I do that. If you've been around me, I'll move uh, way down the road of what I want to say. But in our minds, when we think of heaven, do you ever consider the slain lamb? See, in our minds, most of the time when we think of heaven, what we think of is the place, you know, where we're going to, again, fellowship with family and friends and the place we're going to live in eternity. And, and like I said, I'm not going to tell you there's no place after you die because I firmly believe in, in eternal life in Christ. I firmly believe that. If you have the Son, you have life. And he that believeth on me shall never die, believest thou this. I firmly believe if Christ is your life, you will never die. I believe that. Right now, if He's your life right now, you're not going to die. You may face physical death, your body may perish, and they may put it in the casket, but you are never going to die. And that has nothing to do with your body. That has to do with Him that said, I am the resurrection and the life. That's who it has to do with. Amen. I am the resurrection and the life. So if the I am that is the resurrection and the life is in you, guess what? You've got resurrection and life living inside of you. Amen. If you just turn your heart, resurrection and life is in you. How, how many, when they, when they got saved, say, Jesus came into my heart? Is that your confession that Christ came into my heart when I got saved? Well, if Christ came into my heart when you got saved, guess what He said He is? I am resurrection, the resurrection and the life. So if the I am resurrection and the life came in you, guess what? You got life. And you got raised. From the dead, from the dead man, from the old man, from the Adamic man, the natural man. And that's what we're going to look at some of this morning. Well, with turning your Bible to Isaiah 66, and, and the Lord, is, uh, I, I said this multiple times, He's, He spoke this in me, uh, it's been like a trumpet in Isaiah 66 for some time. And 
just like a trumpet going off inside of me, a thunder, whatever you want to say, just the voice of the Lord. And verse 1, Thus saith Jehovah, or the Lord, according to the translation, but the Lord there actually means Jehovah, the self-existent one. That's what Jehovah means, and He exists by Himself. He is what He is. I am that I am. The self-existent one, thus saith Jehovah, Heaven is my throne, His throne, and the earth is my footstool. What manner of house will you build unto me, and what place shall be my rest? For all these things have my hand made, and so all these things came to be, saith Jehovah. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and that trembleth at my word. So, he declares by Isaiah, Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. So heaven, so again, when you think of heaven, do you ever tell anybody, when they talk to you about heaven, well, heaven's God's throne. Is that, does that even enter your mind? Heaven is God's throne. His dimension. What's a throne? See, i got, I got to s- slow down. What is a throne? It's a seat for a king. Okay? So a king's seat is a throne in the natural. So if you go into some of the countries that still have kings, their king has what? A throne, a seat. And what does that seat represent? It represents a rule of the king's government. Right? So that king has a seat and he has a government and that government is a set of rules, laws. Words, right? So that's what it is. So when when you say when a throne comes into view, there's always going to be a king there. And when a king comes into view, there's got to be a nation or a kingdom, right? What would be the point of a king without a kingdom? What would he rule? Right? What would it what would it what would he rule if he didn't have a kingdom? Wouldn't rule much. So when we look at God first in the natural, and he says, Heaven is my throne. So when we start looking at that in the natural, God rules the natural heaven and earth. And what by, what I mean by that is in one place he says that that consider the lilies of the field, they toil they don't toil or spin, and yet they have no need. Now, paraphrase. Consider the sparrow. You know, he, he goes through, Jesus goes through, consider these things. God supplies their need. He says in His Word that He set a boundary for the waves. He set an axis for the earth. So God rules in the natural realm, naturally. And when Jesus came on the scene, one of the things that stood out to me is that even the waves obeyed. 
the spirits of Abel. When he come into the room and there was an evil spirit, that evil spirit obeyed the Lord. When he said, Be thou God, and he cast them and they asked him, they said, Can I, you know, there was the, what the two men and the uh, Gerga things, I probably pr- pronounced it correct. They, the, the spirit spoke back and said, Can we go into these swine? And he sent them into the swine. But he had rule and authority. He was a ruler. Had authority over that realm. So he says, heaven is my throne. So, so as we go down and look at this, I want you to turn with me to Isaiah 37. And start at verse 14. And this story here is about the Assyrian king has told, they sent a messenger to Hezekiah to be prepared. I'm going to come in and burn your gods. Take your kingdom and burn your gods. Go back and read it. And it says, And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up unto the house of Jehovah and spread it before Jehovah. So he took that letter that king sent into the house of Jehovah, the temple. That was Solomon's temple. And he spread it out and he read it. And Hezekiah prayed unto Jehovah, saying, O Jehovah host, or Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, that sitteth, where does he sit at here? Where does Hezekiah say he sits? Sitteth above the cherubim. Thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth incline thine ear. O Jehovah, and hear, open thine eyes, O Jehovah, and see and hear all the words of Sennacherib, who have sent to defy the living God. So, where did Hezekiah go to set that before the Lord? He went to the house of God and there he, he turned toward what? The Holy of Holies. He said, God that dwells above the cherubim. Where were the cherubim at if you studied your Bible? There were two cherubim attached to the mercy seat. So he turned there and he spread this out and, and, he, and he prayed to God to another place. In 1 Samuel 4.3 1 Samuel 4.3 We're going to read a couple places here just to establish where in the Old, in the, in the Old Covenant, the Lord was and where His rule came from. Alright? 1 Samuel 4.3, it says, Then the troops returned to the camp. The elders of Israel asked, Why has the Lord brought defeat on us before the Philistines today? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh, so that it may go with us to deliver us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent men to Shiloh, and they brought back the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned between the cherubim. So where does he sit enthroned? Between the cherubim. 
see, God brought His kingdom in the natural, the kingdom of heaven, into natural Israel. That's what, what a lot of Christians don't understand. God ruled natural Israel. When you go and read your Bible and you study the Word of God, and that's what you have to do, you have to study the Word of God and read your Bible, you will find that when God brought the natural Israel out of Egypt, He said, I'm going to bring you to Myself. He wasn't just taking them to the land of Canaan. He was taking them to Himself. And in the midst of them, he was going to be their king. Now, of course, they wanted their own king, so he gave them Saul. But still, the kings were going to rule by God's authority. They were going to rule by God's word. They weren't going to come up with their own laws and government. Now, they did. And every time they did, they got themselves in all kinds of, what, trouble. If you go back and you read and you begin to read the story of the Israelites and you start from the time they come out in Exodus until, really until the end of the Old Covenant until Jesus comes on the scene, you'll find Israel continually coming to the temple. Why were they continually coming to that temple? First, it was the house of God. It was known as the place that God dwelt. Second, it was where God ruled. God said, if you do this, I don't know how many times in the Old Covenant He said this, if you obey My Word, I'm going to bless you. If you go back and read, and a lot of people read that today, if you go back and read, they'll go back and read all the blessings of the Lord that's contained in the Old Covenant. I'm going to bless your going out and your coming forth, and so on and so forth. I'm going to bless your home. I'm going to bless your land. I'm going to bless your sheep. You're going to prosper. All these blessings God bestowed upon them if you keep my word. There was a condition, though. There was always a condition. If you keep my word. And I'm trying not to get out because uh, a lot of people want to say there's no condition. There was always a condition with the Lord, and that condition was always His Word. Still hasn't changed. The Word that still hasn't changed. The Word did, but but the condition did. So, so we come through that time, and you go in Deuteronomy four. Flip over there, four thirty-two. He says to them, Deuteronomy 4.32 says, For ask now of the days that are past which are before thee. Now that would be a time before thee. Since the day that God created man upon the earth, and from the one end of heaven unto another, whether there have been any such thing as this great thing, or have been heard like it, did ever a people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of a fire? As thou hast heard and lived? Or hath God essayed to go up to take him a nation from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, 
and by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm and by great terrors according to all that Jehovah your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that Jehovah, he is God, there is none else beside him. Out of heaven made he to hear his made you to hear his voice, that he might instruct thee, and up on the earth he made thee to see his great fire, and thou heardest his words out of the midst of the fire. Where, where, he said you you heard his voice out of heaven. Where did the voice sound at? Out of the midst of the fire up on earth? Just the thought? Was heaven there in the fire? Was God in the fire? If God was in the fire, do you think heaven might have been where God was at? Sure. If we consider it that way, so, so we could possibly consider even right here that heaven was the invisible realm because He told them you didn't see no shape, you didn't see no form, but you heard a voice. And you heard a voice from a fire. God gave them a fire up on the earth, but they, they heard a voice. And he says in verse 37, And because he loved thy fathers, therefore he chose their seed after thee, Bill, and brought thee out with his presence, with his great power out of Egypt, to drive out nations from before thee greater and mightier than thou, to bring thee in, to give thee their land for an inheritance as, it, as at this day. Know therefore this day, and lay it in thy heart that Jehovah, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath, there is none else. And thou shalt keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that, I, that it may go well with thee and thy children after thee. So, so here was the requisite. You saw God's work. He brought you out of Egypt. And here's the catch. He brought you to himself. And there was a catch in all of that. Thou shalt keep His Word. That was always the catch for Israel. You're going to keep the Word. If you don't keep the Word, while He told them over and over, you're going to have blessings and abundance of everything. If you don't keep the Word, death and destruction is going to come. We, we, when we study it out. And again, if I, if I took the time, we'd read Scripture after Scripture and, and uh, we would stay in Old Israel. We're going to move past Old Israel this morning. But to set the framework of His throne. So His Word was how He ruled. He ruled from the law of Moses. That is how He ruled the people Israel. And now... Turn with me to Second Chronicles, chapter seven, verse eleven. It says, "Thus Solomon, Second Chronicles seven eleven. Thus Solomon finished the house of Jehovah and the king's house." And all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of Jehovah and in his own house he prosperously effected. And Jehovah appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. I've chosen this place 
to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send a pestilence among my people. Now first off, listen to that. He said, if I, if I shut up the heavens that there's no rain, or I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, notice whose people they were, his people who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And this is what we're going to be talking about in relationship to heaven this morning. Is God's people turning toward His house. Yeah. See, the whole, the whole thing, when you take Daniel, for example, and you go right back and you read Second Chronicles, Six, the chapter before, it, it speaks over and over about the destructions that the Lord would bring upon them. And if they turn toward this house, if they turn toward this place, if they turn toward Him, so in one place it will tell you if they turn toward the house, and another place it will tell you if they turn toward heaven. So, so the, I will heal their land. Now that was God's rule and authority in the natural Israel. And, and, I, and I really admonish you this morning to read Second Chronicles 6 and 7. Really sit down and read it. But what I want you to do now is turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 5, and start at verse 6. Revelation, chapter 5, verse 6. Give you time to get there. I'm sometimes too fast. Chapter five, verse six. Five, six. And I saw in the midst of the throne. Now remember what we read, Isaiah said, Heaven is what? My throne. And I saw in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders a lamb standing as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and he taketh it out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having each one a heart, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy art thou to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and did purchase unto God with thy blood men of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and made them to be unto our God a kingdom 
and priests. And they reign forever upon the earth. Where do they reign? Upon the earth. So, so what I want to show you is a picture in the Old Covenant of a throne, and in the Old Covenant, what sacrifice was in the throne? It was a, it was a what, the bull, the, the lamb, the, you go on and on, the natural, the turtle dove, and on and on and on. They bring the bull one time a year, and they come to that mercy seat where the two cherubims were, were beaten works of gold and they'd lay that blood up on that mercy seat and of course the glory of the Lord would appear right there in that house above the mercy seat and that was you know the, the, the closeness of God right but he listened to what John saw that I saw in the midst of the throne again heaven is my throne I saw in this heaven in this one I saw a lamb having been slain. So, so then when I go and read Acts 26 and I read the Apostle Paul's description of the heavenly vision and I start looking at the Apostle Paul's writings, Paul had a heavenly vision and in all of Paul's writings, what did Paul tell the people in one place? I determined to know nothing among you but what? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. See, that was the heavenly vision Paul had was Christ crucified. And I have to ask us today, is that our heavenly vision? Is that even our heavenly thought? A lamb slain in the midst of the throne? Why, why do I say that? Because their thought of heaven most time has no connection to a slain lamb. That was Paul's vision. He had a heavenly vision and he wrote that heavenly vision in what we call the epistles of Paul. And over and over in that heavenly vision he was speaking of the slain lamb and the work of the lamb. And see that, that folks, is a heavenly vision. That vision that Paul saw, see Romans 6 when he said, in Romans 6, he said when he died, or in Corinthians, when he died, all were made dead. How did Paul understand that? By the Spirit. A heavenly vision. He had a vision from the Lord. A heavenly vision. And he saw that when Jesus died, all men were made dead. What he saw. He saw this heavenly vision that Christ's crucifixion not only crucified Him, but crucified you. As many, he tells in the Romans 6, do you not understand? As many of you have been baptized into Jesus Christ, have done what? Been baptized into His death? And, as, and you've been baptized into His death, you've been buried with Him in His death. You, in other words, you've been put away in His death. The old man is done. The old man has been crucified. The old man is taken care of. He buried him. Crucified him and buried him. And he said, And like as Christ liveth unto God, He's been wrecking yourselves and 
the throne. He saw what His work had done. And my God, that's the same thing that Apostle John saw. See, this isn't a, separate, this isn't a different revelation that, that Brother John and Brother Paul had. They had the same revelation of Christ. They saw the slain lamb. And they were declaring the slain lamb. And somewhere that has to become the vision of the church. And see, when you pray toward heaven, I hear this by the Spirit of God, when you turn your heart, because what, what they would do in the Old Covenant is they would turn their heart to the law and pray toward heaven, toward that house, the temple of Solomon, and God would heal them, and they would go out and start doing the law. And I hear by the Spirit of God, when His people turn toward heaven, toward the heavenly vision, He's going to heal your land. He's going to heal your land. He's going to heal your struggles. me to John chapter 8. And I, and I pray I can, you know, depart, the Spirit of the Lord will depart some understanding in this. John 8, 23. And He said unto them, what Jesus said, Ye are from beneath. I am from above. Ye are of this world. I am am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins, for except you believe that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. So ye are from beneath. Now, now, unfortunately, this is what most Christians still believe. I'm from beneath. Christians. I shared this yesterday. It was a number of years ago. I, I was going to preach a funeral. I can't remember which one. But a very common verse of scriptures in the book of Job when we preach funerals. Man born a woman is few days and full of trouble. Right? And we'll go down this discourse. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. And we'll have someone that is filled with the Spirit of God, their body lying there in the casket, and we're preaching over a man born a woman. And I got up a number of years ago and, and uh, said something to the effect, now this person was born of God. So this person, body perished, but they didn't die. See, you're not still a man born of woman in God's eyes. See, this is the, this is the problem, though. And if you've been born again, in God's eyes, you're not still a man born of woman. You debate with God all day. But I'm going to give you Scripture. I tell you, go debate this with the Lord. Paul said, 
you are what? No longer where? In the flesh, if, and, he, and again he gets a condition, if so be the Spirit of God dwells in you. So, so if the Spirit of God is in you, and how do you know the Spirit of God is in you? It says Paul tells you how you know. He says His Spirit bears witness with your spirit. So I know, so, so I can tell anyone, if they say, I don't know if i got the Spirit of God or not, I say, well, does His Spirit bear witness with your spirit? John, and the Apostle John pretty much says the same thing. We know that we're His by His Spirit. So, so we start off with this, with this right here, and so he says you're no longer in the flesh. Well, well, well you, you know, well, I got a, I, I got a flesh. It hurts, pinch, right? But see, this ain't a lot. See, this ain't a lot. This, the, the, the problem is in our eyes. In our, and I'm not talking about these eyes. In the, in the eyes of the heart of the inner man, we still see this as our life. We still see ourselves as a man born of woman. That's where we see ourselves. We haven't moved to a heavenly vision. See, we think a heavenly vision is so difficult. Right? In the mind, a heavenly vision is so difficult. A heavenly vision is something God has shown out of the Spirit. How many believes God fills heaven? So if God shows you something out of the Spirit, can we agree that that's out of heaven? How many believes God is greater than heaven? Amen. So if God shows you something, right? If God shows you something, that's heavenly. That's not earthly. That is heavenly. And then you come to a heavenly vision or heavenly understanding, a heavenly sight of His Word. And if I come to a heavenly sight of His Word, I see a new man. I see a glorified Son of Man. (laughs) One not born of woman and few days full of trouble. But one born of God. I mean, mean, what what was, you, you know... When I grew up in the Pentecostal teaching, my whole salvation was predicated on have I been born again? And I still believe that today. That was my whole, have you been born again? Well, where did you get born again from? You know, what what did Nicodemus say to Jesus when Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, or if you look it up, born from above, and that word actually, if if you go and do a work study, that word has a number of definitions that above means from him. From the first. Who's the first? Would that be Christ? Would that be God? Would that be Jesus? Would he be the first? From above, from heaven, from the first, again, anew. So Jesus said you must be born again. You must be born from above. So when you get born again, you know what Nicodemus do? He went into the natural mind. He said, how can a man enter the second time into his mother? womb and be born? See, that's, so, so when you got born again, do you not realize you were born of God? So if I was born of God, wouldn't that make me kind of heavenly? If I got born of God, you see, see we don't associate ourselves as being heavenly, do we? 
We associate ourselves as being earthly. But if I got born of God, wouldn't that make me a little bit, just a little bit of heavenly? Just a little bit? Just an inkling? Come on now. Wouldn't that make you a little bit heavenly? My God, yes it would. Maybe heaven come right to the earth right then. You reckon when Jesus come walking up on the earth, heaven met the earth? My God, do you reckon He was a heavenly man? When He walked the earth, He said, The Father in me doeth the works. So if the Father was in Him doing all these miracles, signs and wonders, what kind of man do you think He was? He was a heavenly man. And that's why he told me, Nicodemus, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. You can't see it through your mother's womb. You can't see it even by reading your Bible. That's why you have doctors of theology that have no understanding of the Lord. They can read their Bible. They can go to seminary school. But if I haven't been told of the Spirit of God, I don't know it. I really don't know what it means. It's when God takes the Word and makes it real. And I'm not against seminary school. I'm not fully against it. But if I don't have the revelation of God by the Spirit of God, I probably don't know what I'm talking about. See, because He reveals Himself. He doesn't need man to teach you. He reveals Himself. And so you get born of Him. And you become a new man. Not an earth man. Not an earth man anymore. But a heavenly man. You come into a whole different man. Totally new. All things are passed away, and behold, behold Him. All things are new. And Jesus goes on to say to him, unless you are born of water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is what? Flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. So, so this morning, do you believe your spirit? Have you been born again? Yes. If you've been born again, guess what you are? Your spirit. Yes. You've been born of Him. So God's not seeing you as just a flesh man trying to make it home. Religion has lied to you. Because religion has told you we're just doing the best we can to get home. God birthed you. My God, if God birthed you, that's a little bit better than religion saying, I'm just trying to make it home, ain't it? I've been birthed by the Almighty God. My God, why don't we agree with the Lord? When is God's people going to wake up and agree with the Lord and begin to pray for heaven? And say, God, I've been born of your Spirit. I am your Son. And Father, I come to you as a Son of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. When are we going to wake out of the dust? When is it going to happen? What's got to take place?
my love. Agree with Him with His Word. Take Him by His Word and say, Father, I believe Your Word. I've been born of Your Scripture. I've been made one with You. Why? Because You did it. Not because I was any good. I can go through how worthless and bad I was. I can tell you all the sins I ever did. I can talk about them. I can talk about all the disgusting things in my mind. But God said I got a new mind. God said I have a new nature. Hallelujah. So when am I going to say, yeah, Lord, bring it on. I've got a new nature. Give me that nature. Clothe me with that man that you said you made in Christ. I'm going to agree with your word and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm going to be like what what were the two that that Caleb and Joshua and they they said we are more than able to take our land. Well, I'm more than able to take my land. I really am, son. Whether you agree with me, whether you believe what I'm saying or not, you know, I don't mean it's offensive. I don't care. I care about you, but I don't care. I, I, I want you to believe it. But what I'm saying is, I'm still going to go. I don't mean that in a bad way. I've got to watch myself. But sometimes I, 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 don't, I come across wrong. And I don't mean it. Mean. I don't mean it. What I'm saying is like they did. When they, when they had an encounter with God, what they said was, we're more than able. We're going we're to move in here and possess this land. And everybody else was saying, well, we can't do that. Well, that, that can't be right. This can't be real. I've been told that almost my whole life ever since the revelation of the Lord broke up on me. I've had minister after minister disagree with me. I really have. And what, 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 and I'm more convinced now than I ever was this is true. I really am. I'm more convinced today than I ever have been. This is real. Why? Because His Spirit is life in me. And His Spirit is bearing witness with Him. And so when you come to me and tell me it's not true, but God's Spirit is bearing witness with Him, guess what? What am I going to do? Am I going to believe you? Or am I going to believe the Lord? Right, right somewhere we've got, to, we've got to set our feet down and say, Lord, and, and just in the simplest understanding, I've been born from above. I'm not just an old man few days and full of trouble. Christ is my life. If Christ is your life, how long is the life of Christ? Hallelujah. My God, if Christ is your life, right? How many of you here says Christ is their life? How many believe the Bible says that? How long is Christ exist? So, so are you a man a few days full of trouble? No. That man got crucified. That man got buried. That man got put away. And when Jesus came out of the tomb, he brought a new man. A new man. And, and Paul writes about that all through his epistles because he had a heavenly vision and he was writing to the church. You are a new creature. A new creation created of God in Christ Jesus. The problem is the church is double-minded. One minute the church says, yeah, I believe that. 
And then a storm comes, and what do we do? We, we run back to the earth man like the earth man's going to help us. And what happens when we run back to that earth castle? Just death and destruction. It's the same as it always was. It's just chaos. And we get no answer. We get no fulfillment. But when we set our eyes, when we fix our eyes on the Lord, what happens? We get strength. put it away. So all your sins, so, so you're saying, why do I have all these troubles? Because you need to turn your eyes toward heaven. Because, he, 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 you know, I'm telling you, the Lord made this so real to me. I can't get away from it. If my people will humble themselves and pray when they turn their eyes toward heaven, that doesn't mean look up in the sky. That's toward the heavenly vision of Christ. Toward the new creation, created of God in Christ Jesus. When I come and see the slain lamb, and I see the victory he brought, when I see what he did, when I see that he conquered death, hell, and the grave, when I set my affections up on that, God is going to heal my land. And all of the chaos in my mind is going to disappear. from unbelievers to believers because He said so. Not because we're so good, because He said so. See, we got something a little bit mightier backing us than our goodness. It's Him. See, but see, see if, if He is in you and you are in Him, you're in a pretty good place. Right? You uh, you come to a pretty good place. I told somebody, I think it was yesterday or the day before, a lot of people were saying, oh, how bad is it? And I said, you know what? With me, it's getting better and better every day. It really is. Because he's getting richer and richer in me every day. There's a greater reality of Him coming forth every day. I can look out here and I can I can believe the news. I can believe CNN. I can believe ABC or Fox News or whatever. Or I can believe the Word of God. And when I align myself with the Word of God, it gets better and better every day. He's still in my land. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. 
And I can go out and tell people I can give you something that will make you better. I've got something that will really make you better. If you're down and depressed and you're, you're covered in, in sin and muck and mire, I've got something you need. And I can walk out with a confidence and tell them I really have something you need. You may not believe it, but I really do. And I can do that in confidence, see? I get confident because who my confidence is in is in the Lord. My confidence isn't in me. My confidence is in the Lord. My confidence is that He's given me His Word. He's given me His mind. He's given me His understanding. He's given me that that I might know Him. And that I might bring a people into a place of no more. He's given that Word that, that He would bring His people into knowing. To pull them unto Him. And see, see, we're, see, 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 Christian people try to know God all their lives through, through laws and regulations through the person of covenant, right? They have. They try to live right, act right, dress right, look right. And I can preach that one up. I can tear you apart. Because I, I lived in that law. And even though I lived in that law, I, I couldn't find the, the you know, I, I get glimpses. God, and never go away. I guess that was like something to go away. But I'm here to tell you today, there's such a piece of God in my heart. And it never comes through the law. It comes by the Spirit. Yes. See, it came through a different order. Because the order changed when Jesus came on the scene. That's what the church doesn't understand. He fulfilled the law. That's what Christians don't understand. They still try to mix the law. See, he didn't do away with the law. He told them, actually, he said, not one jot or tittle shall pass from the law, right? Until all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But he said, he said that not one jot or tittle shall pass away until all is fulfilled. But when he hung up on the cross, what did he say? He said, it is finished. I fulfilled it. I'm the completion of the law. There's no more need for a sacrifice to enter into the holy earth or a, a high priest to enter again into a holy of holies made with hands because I have finished it. I've entered into the throne, heaven itself, and what we see in Revelation is a finished work Christ entering into the throne of God having been slain and making His people a kingdom of priests unto yes. their God. That's what we see there. A finished work, a new heaven. See, uh, how do you get... Absolutely, in a new earth. Brother Stanley said it. So, so you disagree? You disagree with him? I agree with it too. See, you can disagree with me and both. Because we're one. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Because here we go. We... What do you mean a new heaven and earth new earth? Because the old heaven passed away. What do you mean the old heaven passed away? The sun, the moon, the stars didn't pass away. We still have the sun and the moon and the stars. What passed away was that old, what, what, what we say, heaven is my throne, right? Can we get to the simplicity of that? Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. And we can, if we can see it, 
God's footstool was in old Jerusalem. God's throne was in the old temple. And that passed away. Can we agree that passed away? See, see, God's people are trying to build another temple back there now. Why? Heaven's my throne, there's my footstool. That one passed away. So when John saw a slain lamb in heaven, do you reckon that was new heaven? That was new. That was the finished work of Christ in heaven. And he said, what did he say? Behold, I make. Who makes all things new? I make all things new. How, how, what's all things? All things. How much is all things? All things. Would all things include heaven and earth? Sure would. He makes them new. My God! But we have to believe it. See, because the natural eye can't see that, and that's what Jesus told them. When they, when, when they asked Him when would the kingdom of God appear, what did He tell them? He said, neither shall they say, where? What? Lo here, or lo there, for behold the king, for behold, behold who? Behold him, the kingdom of God is within you. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So we come unto the throne of the Lord. How, How many have ever read you can come to the throne of the Lord? Have you ever read that? Where's that at? Hebrews 13? 12, 13, somewhere around there in Hebrews. Tells you to come to the throne of the Lord. What did we read heaven is? My throne. So if you come to the throne of the Lord, guess where you went to? You went to heaven? <laughs> <laughs> See, I've opened up a, a can of worms, I know. But you have to search it out. See, see, what did the Apostle Paul say? You are seated where at? With Him, seated together in Christ. Where at? In heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. Where is He seated at? On the throne. So if you're seated with Him, guess where you're seated? On the throne. To rule and reign with Him. What did we read earlier? Where were we going to reign at? In the earth. What did Jesus pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where at? In earth. As it is in heaven. So how do you think that's going to happen? Through you. Amen. Amen. You. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Enter, even as it is in heaven. Well, as it is in heaven, we have a slain lamb in heaven, right? So in the earth, we have a people, a kingdom of priests, and what are they ministering? What's this priesthood ministering? The slain lamb. What are they going out preaching but Christ and Him crucified? What are they teaching people? The slain lamb. They're breaking the bread of life. The slain lamb. And they're feeding the earth. That should be the work of the ministry. 
Bob, you asked about that yesterday. There's your working ministry. Whether, whether you're an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, whether you're you're in the government, whether you're in the health, whether you drive a bus for the church, whether you clean the wards for the church, but your ministry? Because you're a ministry of priests. You're a royal priesthood. How many here think you're a priest? I do. How many believe God? I believe God. God said I'm a priest. Doesn't mean I wear a collar, right? And say I'm a priest. He's made me a royal priesthood and He's filled me with His bread that I can break His bread and give it to the world. Because what does the world need? It needs His bread. Does it really need us to run and tell the world how bad it is? The world already knows it's bad. Deep in the heart of man, he knows how bad he is. I don't care what he says outside. Some of the people, some of the most wealthiest, influential, uh, highest people in society do what? Commit suicide. You ever read that? What was the chef do? Bordeaux? Bordeaux? What did he do? Suicide. Because inside, on the outside, he's got it all going for him. But on the inside, he's a terrible mess. What's the answer for it? Bread and wine. Yeah. Amen. The bread and wine of the new covenant, that's the answer. See, see, all the money in the world didn't satisfy him. Having the greatest parties in the world didn't satisfy him. Having the most beautiful girlfriends didn't satisfy him. He had it all, man. From what from what people look at in the natural and they and they aspire to have it all, that guy had it all. He he was fortunate and fame. He's at the top of the pinnacle, dude. And he comes down to the end of himself and says, I got nothing. Because unless you lose your life, you shall not find life. See, I have to come to the slain lamb and lose my life. Because what that lamb does for me is that lamb crucifies me and I lose my life and I find his glorious life. And I find the victory I'm looking for. I find the victory in him. See, because I can't find it in me. See, that, that, that's the problem. We try to find it in ourselves. We try to get it in ourselves. We try to, you know, like, like Jesus tells the parable of the storehouse, we try to get it in ourselves. I can't find it. I've got to come to the slain land. And that's the answer. And I, I tell you, I, I don't know how... How to get away from that? A lamb slain in the midst of the throne. How many have ever thought of that in heaven? A slain lamb in the midst of the throne. So when Paul said he had a heavenly vision, have you ever connected those dots? What did Paul begin to preach? The slain lamb. What did he preach? I am crucified to the world, and the world is what? Crucified to me. Because he had a heavenly vision. 
See, he, he had a vision in the heavens, and I know I've, I've probably been a long, long time. How? Been about an hour. I'm going to wrap up here in a second. And, see, folks, that's, that's where we have to elevate our, our eyes is to that man, that new man. I'm telling you, this, this is such in my heart. That this new man, when you approach the Father, you call him Father. Yes. Jesus said, Our Father. And they asked him how to pray, our Father. Why, why do we pray our Father? Because we've been born from him. Amen. So we approach God as what? Father. Father, our Father, that art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, even as it is in heaven. And in that throne of heaven is a slain lamb. So, Father, in the earth, let the ministry of the slain lamb come forth. Let it come forth all of the earth. Let us see a new heaven and a new earth where there is what? Right. Because if you ate of the slain lamb, guess what you are? You're righteous. You're made righteous where at? In him. So so see, ain't that a pretty good place you've come to? Isn't it a really nice place that God's brought us to in Christ? I mean, we're going to move on down this road. And, and and move out in probably a little bit deeper waters with it, but the, but the focus of it with the Lord when when I begin to look at heaven and look at all the scriptures of heaven, what God zeroed me in. I mean, I've talked for years about the heavenly city, the New Jerusalem, and and we and we may look at that next week. We'll see. It may be a little while before we go there, but the focus the Lord has had with me with heaven is the throne. Heaven is my throne. And, and one last thing, I've said this in a number of our, our teachings in, in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 when he says you've come to Mount Zion, you have come to Mount Zion, read that. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. That's what he says in Hebrews 12. You have come there. When you get down in that, he gets and it says and you come to the blood of, you come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. The blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel and to God the judge of all. Now typically when we hear about God being a judge, what do we do? We shrink back, right? We go, "Uh uh-oh. But what did He say before He got there? You come to the spirits of what? Just men made what? Righteous. Because God, the judge of all, is judging through a blood that yes. speaks better than that of Abel. He's yes. judging through the blood of Jesus. Yes. And the blood of Jesus says what? You are made righteous. Amen. So God is judging you righteous through Christ. So how did you get righteous? God judged you in Christ. 
So the judgment seat of God may not be a bad place to come to. We've Because the judge in the natural. What can a judge do in the natural? When you go before a judge in the natural, he can, he can send you, if, you, if you're in trouble, he can send you to jail, right? He can say, here, you're going to jail. Sorry. What else could he do? He says, you're free. He says, you're awarded. He says, you're going to gain great substance. So when you come to the judgment seat of God through Christ, God is saying to you, you have great substance. You're righteous. Hallelujah. Because you come to another throne. You come to another judgment. See, see, in the Old Covenant, they can never get there. That's why I had to go over and over every year. Every year they had to offer the lamb. Every year they had to offer the sacrifice. Every year. And the comers thereunto could not be made perfect. Right? But He, by one sacrifice, hath forever done what? Perfected them that do what? That believe. And they're perfected through His one sacrifice and by the judgment of the Lord. Because the Lord is now judging through the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we all stand this morning? Turn this over. Can we come to the Lord and say, Father? Just come to the Lord and say, Father. Father. Father, I am a son. My God, I am a son. You have made us a kingdom of priests unto you. My God, you've made us a kingdom of priests. Lord, that we can distribute your word of life in the earth. And I say to you that this morning, if you don't have this word of life dwelling in you, you know how far away it is from you this morning? It's in your heart and mouth, the word of faith that we preach here on all the In your heart and your mouth. So if any man confess the Lord Jesus and believe that God has raised him from the dead, he shall be saved. Do you believe God raised him from the dead? Do you believe he's Lord of Lords and King of Kings? Do you believe that? My God, He's here to save you this morning. He's here to heal you. All you have to do is believe. Just come to Him and believe. Say, Father, I believe. Fill me, Father, with Your Spirit. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, just open your heart up and say, Father, fill me with Your Spirit. My God... I want whatever you want to give me just give it to me just turn our minds Lord of God turn our minds turn our hearts Father give it
to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. He's forgiven you all your sins. He's just saying, how you can kill all your heartaches on all of them. All of them. Every heartache you have. you this. When I was a young man, there was a young man about my age. His name is Randy. 